0: Would you look in Luke the 16th chapter with me this evening, we've been on a subject all week, that we're calling faithfulness the greatest key to increase. In Luke 16 is the account Jesus gave of the the unjust steward, the unfaithful manager And we won't go through that again except for the part where Jesus in verse 10 gives three areas where faithfulness is proven, demonstrated, and proven. And he said, uh, He that's faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, he that's unjust in the least is unjust in much. Verse 11, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, numerous other translations say worldly wealth, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Verse 12, and if you cannot be trusted, or excuse me, I'm reading another translation, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So three areas faithfulness is proven in. What's the first one? Little things, small things. We don't just want to hear this and register that we heard it in our mind. We want to understand it and live by it. Is it important that you're faithful with little things? A little charge, a little bit of money, a little bit of revelation, a little bit of anointing. A little opportunity. It is so important. It's the key to whether you get a bigger thing. How much more you get and if and when you get It's based on how you're handling what you got right now. How we're handling. Then secondly, what's the second thing? Faithfulness is proved. Worldly wealth or, you know, this world's money and material things, natural things, that are not true riches. True riches are eternal riches. And the money and material things down here are temporary and transitional, transitory. So many have said, well, you know, it's only the true riches, you know, the spiritual things we should be concerned about. God doesn't care about you know, money and those things. Well, no, you got it backwards. You got to prove faithful with some natural things yes. before you'll be trusted with more important things. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And last night we took some time talking about the next one. It said that uh, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? And we took some time talking about how that the Lord said the tenth part of your income and increase is his. Yes. And a lot of people don't believe that. When I say a lot of people I mean a lot of people yeah. don't believe it and it's a problem in their life and ministry and church and business and because the Lord went on and said Malachi, will a man rob God? Yeah. What do you mean? He's saying, that's my money. Yeah. that's my stuff. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be meat or food or provision in my house. What if everybody tithed? <laughs> See, you know everybody don't tithe. <laughs> but you answered that. What if the whole church tithed? Man, there would be money on top of money. Is that right? To do anything, everything, all the buildings, all the outreach, all the mission work, right? Well, you can't make anybody else's decision for them, but you can make your own. And I mentioned that that was, uh, looking back now, Phyllis and I can look back and see, you know, this was decades ago. But when we made that commitment and we separated our money from his money. It's the same thing we do in the churches today, in the ministry today. We separate. There's a, there's a, a major separation between our money and his money. Amen. Yes. Now, everybody thinks it ought to be that way with preachers. Yeah. But why shouldn't it be that way with you? Right? right? Yes. It, it should. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Matthew 25, and we'll begin in verse 14. Matthew 25, 14, we touched on this Monday night, but we didn't actually get into this part. And we saw with the, um, there were verses in chapter 24 that talked about if someone was a good servant and a good steward, that the Lord was going to turn over to them His uh, riches, and they would rule. And and then we see in the beginning of this chapter what's called the um, the parable of the ten virgins or ten maidens. And this is not a break in the flow. He's talking about the same thing. Five were foolish, and five were wise. Why were the five wise? Because they made the preparation beforehand and were ready when the time came. And that's not just a small thing, it shows a faithful heart. Not caring. Now think about foolish. Why were the other five foolish? One aspect of foolish is you were told but you didn't listen. And actually that the word foolish is also translated heedless. Heedless. What does that mean? Well, you heard it, but you didn't listen. What does that mean? The other five heard the thought came to them they should take some extra. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Else was what was there to be foolish about? Right. Right. Where was their foolishness demonstrated? Especially when they got there and they're sitting beside somebody that's got a big jar of oil. Right. Right. And they're saying, What's that for? Well, I didn't know how long we'd need to be here. And there's going, ah, we'll be fine. Foolish. And the emphasis is when the bridegroom came and they said, he's here, the ones that were there, and the big word is ready. Ready. The ones that were ready, they went in. Well, that reveals faithfulness, Mm -hmm. a forethought preparation, faith, trust, readiness. And then it flows right into this in verse 14. And I'm going to read this from the uh, the new century. And um, we're actually going to touch on a couple of different translations. But verse 14, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was going to another place for a visit. Before he left, he called for his servants And told them to take care of his things while he was gone. Can anybody see what what is being portrayed here? Jesus left. Is that right? He's gone and sat down at the right hand of the Father. But he's coming back. Right? And in the interim, he's the head, we're the body. And when he wants something done in the earth... He does it through his body. And he is looking to us to handle his business in the earth. Do you believe it or not? He has committed and entrusted things to different ones throughout the body to take care of his business until he returns. And um, he gave one servant five bags of gold. You see why I'm reading this translation? Five bags of gold. The King James says, what, five talents. Well, a talent is a big chunk, we talked about that last night, of gold. You will see, some of your modern translations will say a thousand dollars, or this or that. Well, I don't don't know where they got that from, unless a thousand dollars... 2,000 years ago, before inflation. (laughs) (laughs) But why are you saying this? Because it had to be a big amount, or it wouldn't represent what the Lord's talking about. We'll see that further as we go. Five bags of gold. Another servant, two bags of gold. And a third servant, one bag of gold. To each one as much as he could handle <laughs> did you hear that phrase yes. well King James says according to their individual or several ability this one said as much as they could handle why did the one guy get five bags of gold because the Lord the Lord knew. Regardless of what he thought, or the other two thought, or anybody else thought, the master knew he could handle the five. Why didn't he give the guy that got two, five? He knew two was what he could handle. And why did he give the third guy only one bag? That's pretty obvious when you see what he did and didn't do with it. Now, the bag of gold, another um, translation, actually three different translations, today's English, the Good News, the CEV, they all say, he gave to each one according to his ability. To one, he gave 5,000 gold coins. So apparently, according to this, and all these four or five different translations, presume there were like a 1,000 gold pieces of gold in each bag, and five of the bags to the one person. And to another, he gave 2,000 gold coins, and to another, he gave 1,000. Well, at today's prices, you know, a one-ounce gold coin is almost $2,000. But I'm being very conservative. I'm cutting that in half. And saying $1,000 per coin. And that means $5 million. Yeah. About a million dollars a bag. Yeah. So one got $5 million, The other got $2 million, And the other got one. And I think you could easily double that number. Easily. Depending on how you figure. You might say, well, why would you say that, Brother Keith? Because with the last one, for instance... One of the things he told him. Why didn't you put that with the bank? Well how many know. it's not much use in opening an account. For a hundred dollars. To see how much interest you can draw on it. And. It wouldn't represent. What the Lord is talking about. He's talking about. Significant charges. That he is entrusting. To his people. Before he returns. So. I think it's it's a, a good picture to say he gave to one five million dollars. I mean at a minimum to the other one two million to the other one one. And it goes on to say that uh, I'm back to the NCV now. It says then he left verse 16. The servant who got five bags went quickly to invest the money. Today's NIV says he went at once. And put the money to work. That that word, that uh, trade that's in the King James, it's usually translated work. Worked. He put the money to work. He put the stuff to work. And doubled it. Earned five bags more. In the same way, the servant who had two bags, he invested them. Or he put it to work and earned two more. So they both doubled what the Lord gave them. Did you know that God is not only the God of increase, He expects increase. He expects you to do something with what He gives you and turn it into more. Now if you don't know that about Him, read the scripture some more. He's this way. He is the God of increase. And he's a faith God. Without faith it's impossible to please him. Faith is not passive. Faith lays hold. Is that right? Faith goes after it. The reason I say it is because there's a lot of believers and church going people They got this idea, and and there's an emphasis on this. We just need to let go and let God. What does that mean? All of him and none of me. It doesn't work that way. Uh Uh-oh, did I say something wrong? (laughs) Where are those scriptures? If you're talking about let go of your cares and worries And cast them over on the Lord. Yes. But if you're talking about leave everything up to him. While you do nothing. No. It doesn't work that way. That's not how he has ordained it. That's not how he has set it up. He gives you. Opportunity. And he gives you seed. Come on y'all with us. He gives you instructions. And then he says, get to it. Show me something. Use your faith. Step out. You've got to give him something to work with. you got to give him something to bless. You've got to give him something to multiply. How many know a million times zero is still a big old zero? He'll prosper what you put your hand to. What you put your foot on, yeah. you can possess. Right? You've you got to. When he, when he gave the first generation of Israelites uh, coming out of Egypt the promised land. Why didn't that first generation enjoy it? They wouldn't take it. They wouldn't possess it. He said, he said I've given it to you. Now go get it. Go po- didn't he say that? I've given it to you. Possess it. The giving is his part. The possession is their part. The grace is his part. The faith is our part. It's not all grace. Because it's not all God. Of course, we couldn't even have any faith if it wasn't for grace. But there comes a point where now it's time for you to do something. It's time for you to do something. Lay hold of this. Step out. (laughs) You know, if uh, one of the prayers that is just going on all the time is, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, I don't know how many millions of times that goes up every day. Lord, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. Well, what if I came in here tonight and I said, guys, I wish I would come help me move this podium. And four or five of you said, fine, okay. You came up and I went and sat down. Then I didn't say that right. Because if I'm going to get you to help me, what does that mean? I'm going to do something you can assist me with. And so when people are saying, God help me, God help me, many times what they mean is do it for me. Do it all for me while I lay here on the couch. And that's why a lot of things are not happening. Did you know the name of the Holy Spirit? He's the one who does it for you. He's the, he's the one who does it for you. America is not supposed to be the land of handouts. It's the land of opportunities. Because it's based on the principles of God. That's how it started. Why? God doesn't do everything for you. Can you see that in this principle right here? He gave them according to their ability. Then he's gone. And he said, occupy, take care of business till I come. Now something we got to know is his money, not mine. On this scenario, it's just like the tithe. It wasn't the servant's resources, it was the master's resources. So how are we going to handle the master's resources the way he wants it done, to accomplish what he wants done with it? We're not just doing our own thing. Uh, every every time we make a move we're thinking about what he wants done with his resources. And so, uh, The servant that got two bags, he got two million. He invested it and earned two million more. But the servant who got one bag, he went out, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Skip on down to the the 19th verse then. After a long time, the master came home. Does this represent the Lord's return? After a long time, the master came home and he asked the servants what they did with his money. <laughs> Is there coming a time when we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Not to see whether we're going to be saved or not. The blood has bought that. But to see whether we receive reward and what we receive. And the scripture talks about in Corinthians that the fire will try and each man a woman's work to see what it was made of. And some will be shown to be wood, hay, and stubble. And the fire will consume it. And there will be some things that people built and people did that were big and well-known and flamboyant. But it wasn't by the direction of the Lord. And there wasn't any spiritual substance to it. And when the fire hits it, whoosh. There'll be nothing that remains. And there'll also be some people you never heard of and never knew about, but they did exactly what the Lord told them when he told them to do it. And when the fire hits that, when it's over, it'll be gleaming. Gold, silver, precious jewels that last. Hallelujah. That which is done in the flesh, That which is done by the impulse of man and following all kind of other things in this world, it's not going to last. But that which is done by the direction of the Spirit, that which is done in faith, hallelujah, will last past this life. And those who do so faithfully will receive eternal reward. Did you hear eternal? Did you hear eternal? A crown that doesn't fade away. Doesn't fade away. When when the Lord came, and other translations say he, he reckoned with them or he took account, he took account of them. And the servant who was given five bags of gold, he brought five more bags to the master. <laughs> Don't you know he was glad to haul that other in? Yes. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> so he said he called his name. He said Dave, how'd you do? And Dave said, Lord, I got five more bags. We turned your five into $10 million. And he said, Dave, good job, buddy. (laughs) Good and loyal, faithful servant, because you are loyal. I'm reading this translation with some small things. I'm going to let you take care of some great things, some big things. Come and share my joy with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come and share my joy with me. Then the servant who had been given two bags of gold. He came to the master. And he said, Rick. (laughs) How'd you do with them two bags? And brother Rick said, I got you two more. Got you two more. Yeah. <laughs> and he said. Uh, Good job Rick. Good and faithful servant. You've been loyal. Over those two bags. I'm going to let you. Be ruler over much. Come and enjoy. With me. Thank you, Lord. Enter into my joy. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In, a, in the eternal kingdom. That's father and sons. Yeah. Jesus And brothers and sisters. Oh somebody say glory to God. Glory Glory to God. Glory to God. God. And it's going so good. (laughs) And then the Lord says. And I won't pick anybody out on this one. (laughs) The Lord says blank. (laughs) How'd you do? How'd you do? And the servant that had been given the one bag of gold, million dollars, he said, Master, you know, I I knew you're a hard guy. Hard guy. You harvest things you didn't plant. And you gather crops where you didn't sow any seed. So I was afraid. You being hard, you know, like you are. And um, I went and hid your money in the ground, and I dug it up this morning when I heard you were coming. So here you go. Here's your bag. Not a penny missing. And the master said, I understand. (laughs) You know, it's a hard old world out there. And sometimes you just get scared. But it'll be alright. Don't 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 worry about it. No, that's not what he said. That is not what he said. In the kingdom? Everybody doesn't get a trophy. <laughs> just for showing up. Do you know what I mean by that? <laughs> no, just for showing up? You don't get a trophy just for showing up. He actually expects you to produce. Uh And that is not unreasonable. That is not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. Listen to what this guy said, though. He said, I I knew you were a hard guy because you want to reap where you didn't plant. You want to harvest where you didn't sow. And what's so unreasonable about that? He gave you a million bucks. Starter seed. (laughs) Come on, y'all with me or not? He gave you a million dollars. And he sent you the Holy Spirit to hold your hand every day and night and show you where to sow And when to sow. And how much to sow. And how to sow. But that ain't good enough for you. You want him to sow it for you. He did everything. But sow it for. Here's what you'll see about unfaithfulness. A common characteristic of unfaithfulness. Is it blames the one It was supposed to be faithful to. It blames the one. What's he saying? He's saying, You asked too much. You asked too much, and I got scared. Because I never know what you want. And I can't do anything right. And everything I do, you don't like. And it's never good enough for you. Have you ever heard this kind of talk? Yes. That is the language of an unfaithful heart, and it's not innocent. I want you to notice the next phrase the Lord said: "You wicked, slothful servant." See, this is not innocent. Lazy is one thing; wicked's another. What's wicked about it? He knew better, and here he is lying, making excuses. They're just too hard. You can't please them. They're just unreasonable. And I just stay scared all the time, and and you know, pent up in pieces, and I just because you don't know what they want. And I tried and do the best I can, and and you're a liar. You're a liar. You know better. That's the wicked part. You're a liar. And the sad thing is, a lot of people learned this at home, watching their mother and father, when they were little kids. They learned how when they got in trouble, when they didn't do something they were supposed to, how to manipulate. How to connive and lie. Oh, I didn't know you wanted me to do that. I didn't know. And you, you know, you just, you said it so hard and so mean. And I just got shaken and, 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 and you're a liar. Yeah. You knew better. Yes. Yes. When you're being unfaithful, you know it. Yes. I said, you know it. When you're not doing something you're supposed to do, you know it. You know it in your heart. When you're doing something different from the way you were told, you know it. And to come in later and get in trouble and get called out about it and then go, well, I didn't know that's what you meant. And I didn't know. You're a liar. That's being wicked. Not just lazy, but wicked. How many in your heart, you don't want to be that way. That's, that's devilish. You never want to be that way. See, We know a lot more about the devil than we think we do. Yeah. I said, Why would you say that, Brother Keith? Because you've seen him through other people. Yeah. You you've seen him and heard him through people yielding to him. Remember what Jesus said? He said, "You're of your father, the devil, yeah. and the works of your father you will do." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this this lying, this hiding and this continual blaming nothing's ever their fault mm-hmm. yes. always you didn't explain it good enough or uh, you didn't help me or, or i wasn't clear and what you you start that yeah. and you keep doing that year after year a fog of confusion will come over you mm-hmm. and you'll get to where you're deceiving yourself yeah. and are not clear what's really right or wrong anymore. But it's because you chose to ignore the light. Can you see a common characteristic of unfaithfulness? Everything's going great. How'd you do? Praise God, Lord, you helped me and we doubled it. How'd you do? Did great. You helped me and we doubled it. So how'd you do? You're mean. Why? By expecting anything of me. You're, you're hard. You're just hard. And I got scared. Liar. You're lazy. And deceptive. I got scared. And and all I knew. I just panicked. And I, I just I saw the backyard. And. I dug a hole and stuck it in there. and, and uh, The Lord said, you you wicked, lazy servant. You say you knew I harvest things I didn't plant? You knew, did you? You knew I gather crops where I didn't sow any seed? Luke says, I'll, I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. You said you knew better. So why didn't you do what you said you knew? He said, you could have just made one trip over to the bank, deposit my money, and, and earn me some, something on it while I was gone. You could have done something. Can you see how unfaithful this is? No effort was made at all to try to accomplish what he knew was expected of him. No effort was made at all, which means he disqualified himself From sharing in the joy of the Lord in the coming kingdom. The Lord went on to say you know. Verse 28. The master told his other servants take that bag of gold from that servant. And give it to the servant who has 10 bags of gold. And in Luke it says the people that he was speaking to. They spoke out and said well he's already got 10 bags. The people that he was speaking to, they spoke out to him and said, he's already got ten bags. He said, yeah, and those that have much will get more. And they will have much more than they need. The literal Greek word is they will have overabundance. That's what? what, Faithful people will abound in blessings. Oh, hallelujah. Faithful people Will overflow. Overabundance. Superabundance is not an exaggeration. It's literally way more than more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, Well, give me that bag of gold. Here, put knock that dirt off of that. (laughs) <laughs> give it to who had, Dave had Dave. had the uh, <laughs> 10 back give it to Dave and Dave said I'll take it <laughs> just hit 11 million and he said uh, but those that don't have will have everything taken away from them then the master said throw that useless servant outside into the darkness where people will cry and grind their teeth in pain it's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. How many have a desire to be faithful? Yes, sir. Yeah. One of the essential qualities of faithfulness is honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. Are you hearing this? Yeah. church? Yes. You got to be honest. Yes, sir. If you make a mistake, it's not the end. Right. Even if you are lazy, yeah. it's not the end. Right. But when you get called on it, don't make yourself tear up and put on a phony cry and act and then try to deflect and accuse them Come on. That's, right. that's how you get cut off that's how you get left out because that's not just lazy that's wicked and by the grace of God we don't have to do that Amen. not ever can you say hallelujah thank you Lord Praise God. God. Put on the screen for us, please. Um, You you go to John 6 and put on the screen for us, please, 1 Peter 1 and 7. Where are you going? John 6, and I'm going to read this verse to you, then we'll, we'll go over there. 1 Peter 1, 7 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now this is the same thing we just read about. This is when he returns. What's going to be found unto praise and honor and glory at his return? Your faith. Faith that has been tried and proven, tried, and refined like fine gold. See, it's no no happenstance that the talents He gave to them was precious metals. It it portrays these, these things. And if you've been faithful in the worldly stuff, then you'll get to handle the eternal stuff. That the trial of your faith. Everybody say the trial, faith. the trial of your faith. Verse 8, whom having not seen, you love, in whom though you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Everybody say, not seen. Not seen. And he and then he repeated it. He said, Now you see him not. Now, coupled with not seeing. Is not understanding. Well how would you understand. Some things that you don't see. Or not even aware of. Now there's another side of faith. Here we're getting into. So don't try to filter it. Through one idea. Even though you don't see him. And again he said it again. Though you see him not. Yet believing. You do what? You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's talking about you do that now before you see. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. With that in mind, go to John 6, please. John 6 is a, a lengthy chapter. And uh, one of the things that was going on there was the multitudes had been fed by the miracle of the, uh, the loaves and fishes. And then they started, uh, a bunch of people just started following Jesus around for free food. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he's teaching them about this and That the miracle is connected with the manna that fell from heaven. And what that was and is a type of is a type of himself. The bread that came down from heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he is the word made flesh. And every word that has come out of him and through him, it's spirit and life and quickening and healing. And then he went on to say, I mean, and this is, you know, 70 some verses that this develops in. And he goes on to say, and if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. But if you eat my flesh and you you drink my blood, you have eternal life. I'm that bread that came down from heaven. If a man eats, he won't die. And as he's getting into this, it got quiet. (laughs) It got quiet across that big crowd. And uh, the scripture said that the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, the guys, all those folks that were sitting there, they strove among themselves. And they were saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And they were just, they were beside themselves with indignation. And it spread throughout the crowd. This is a big crowd. And verse 60, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, sir. To what we just read about. Yeah, sir. What did the unfaithful servant say? What did he say? You're a hard. You're, you're, hard. Man. you're a hard man. And you could say. Paraphrasing. You could say. And and you're, you're a hard man. And, and I don't understand. Why you expect. To reap where you didn't sow anything. And why you expect a harvest where you didn't uh, scatter? And it scared me. And I, I didn't know what to do. Hard. Unfaithfulness. Tries to justify its unfaithfulness. By blaming those, it's supposed to be faithful to. And so these, they said, this is a hard thing. Who who can hear this? Who can listen to this? And Jesus, when he knew in himself that his disciples murmured and grumbled at it, he said to them, does this offend you? My message today. Does this offend you? Now, this word offended, I think, hasn't really translated in a lot of our modern vernacular it is from the word "scandalon." It has to do with that which will trip you up and make you to stumble. But it's that's just the the graphic of the root. Listen to uh, Doctor Thayer's diction- his his original word dictionary of what this word means. He said this means to cause a person. To begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. To cause to fall away. Come on, did you hear that? Did you hear that? What does it mean? When Jesus said, does this offend you? To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom they ought to trust and obey. Did these people fall away? Did they leave him? Why? Because they stopped believing in him. They stopped trusting him. We, we if you've read the passage, by the end it said many of them yeah. left. And what that it didn't mean they just went home. They said, "Take our name off the partner list, and we won't be back." Not just a few, many, thousands, thousands of people quit Jesus' ministry that day and did not come back. I mean, hopefully they saw some light later and came back. But on this day, there was a great separation. And I want you to notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait you didn't understand. Let, let me explain. Uh-uh, he doubled down. Oh, come on, are y'all with me? What, what do you mean by that? He, uh, he said, does this offend you? I mean, it was quiet. He said, what if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Oh man, it's making it worse. (laughs) Do you know what I mean by that? He ain't making it worse, but in their mind, he's like, he's not in the least trying to explain anything to them on purpose. Why? Because they've come to a juncture where their faith is tried today. And one of the greatest trials of faith Is when you don't understand. I said one of the greatest trials. Of your faith. Is when you don't. Understand. And. You probably already have been there. And before this life is over. You will be there. You'll be in situations. Where. You don't know why. Why. You don't understand. I. uh, (laughs) Y'all are quiet. Verse 66. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And then Jesus said to the 12. What did he say? Are y'all leaving too? He's not trying to convince them. And he made no effort to explain what he meant by eat my flesh and drink my blood. To the contrary. Why? Because this is not about understanding the message. It's about do you trust or don't you? Yeah, it's good. See, you got folks all over the place that they're fine until. Well, I just don't understand. You know why they did that. Right. Exactly. You don't understand. Exactly. So how do you know it's a problem? Yeah. Well, I just—I I need to understand. You're saying you need to understand before you're going to trust. Right. Which means you never did. That's right. That's right. You were fine as long as it was benefiting you. Yes. Oh my, my. But now yeah. we find out. And that's what, that's what the scripture said. That Jesus said in verse 64, He said, There are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. He knew. A bunch of them were fair weather supporters, and they were fine as long as He was the end thing. But the moment. They would have to bear any persecution for being a part or any sacrifice. Well, I just just don't understand. I just don't understand. And so they became offended. What does that mean? They stopped trusting the one they should have never stopped trusting. They stopped trusting and became unfaithful. And left. Can you see that? And it flows right in. To Judas betrayal himself. It said. He said have not I chosen. You twelve. And one of you is a demon. And this he spoke of Judas Iscariot. For he it was. That should betray him. Being one of the twelve. There's some ridiculous things. On some of these shows. About that. Judas really had no choice. He had to betray Jesus to fulfill the scripture. He didn't really want to, but the Lord said, no, you have to do it. And so he went, no, nah, said he betrayed him, yeah. Yeah. not obeyed him, yeah. <laughs> betrayed him. Say that. Say that. Say that. You got to watch about some of this junk on TV, right. Right? Yeah, right? If you don't know the word very well, it'll confuse you you get all messed up. Right. no. No. He betrayed him. Yes. Again, what well, why? He became disillusioned with Jesus. And the breaking point was that alabaster box of ointment. Yeah. That was the deal. If you look at the passage, in, in the same verse when it said when Jesus said, Leave her alone and everywhere this gospel is preached, very next verse says Judas went to the scribes and asked them how much they'd paid. He became disillusioned with Jesus. Not because of any bad thing Jesus ever did. You don't have to have a reason to be unfaithful. You can choose to believe lies about people. And choose to distrust. People did it with Jesus. People did it with Paul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say the trial of your faith. In Luke 7, Luke 7 and 19, it said, uh, John, you know, he was in prison at this time, John the Baptist, he called to him two of his disciples and he sent them to Jesus and he said, are you he that should come or should we look for another? That should be shocking to somebody who knows the Scripture." Because in John, first chapter records when he saw Jesus and, you know, at the baptism and all that, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he went on record and testified publicly and said, I saw the Spirit of God descending from heaven like a dove on him. And the Lord told me, I'm paraphrasing, that whoever you see the Spirit coming on like that, he's the one. And John 1, 34 says, I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. And the very next day, he saw him again, and John's disciples were with him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And it was so powerful that two of the disciples that were with him, they said, That's him? He said, That's him. They said, "Uh, It's been good, John, bye. And, (laughs) And they left him. Why? And now, later, he says, are you the one? Or should we be looking for somebody else? And Jesus said to him, well, in that hour, it says he cured many of infirmities and plagues and evil spirits, and many that were blind, he gave sight. And he said, go your way. Tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. To the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he. Whosoever. Shall not be. Offended in me. Who, whoever will not get to the place. Where they stop trusting. In the one they should trust. So I don't care who you are. How, what kind of experiences you've had with God. How anointed you've been. John's sitting in a jail cell. This is not a good environment. And the enemy will come. I said the enemy will come. And you remember what, uh, what the Lord said to Peter right before Peter denied the Lord? He said, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat well what does sifting do? sifting separates things yeah. that he may sift you as wheat then the very next phrase he said but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not so what's the enemy after he wants to separate Peter's faith from him. he wants to separate Peter's trust and and trustfulness. Which goes hand in hand with the trustworthiness. Faith, faithful. They're connected. He wants Peter. To no longer believe. In the one he should. Always believe in. And Peter said. I'll never be offended at you. Never. If I have to die with you. I'll never. And Jesus said this. You know when he later on he told him to pray with him. He said the spirits willing." But the flesh is weak. Now one thing we need to distinguish. He didn't say you're ready. Willing is not ready. They're different Greek words. You got the desire. You got the inclination. But he wasn't ready. Peter thought he was ready. For the trial of his faith. But when it came. He failed. And denied the Lord. Loudly and publicly. Now this is not a pretty thing to think about. But the enemy is trying to do that to you. And me and every child of God on the planet. Why? Because without your faith and trusting in him, you are no threat to him. You are out of the game, so to speak. You are on the sidelines, no threat. And everybody likes to think like Peter, well, I would never become offended at you. I I would never. And yet how quickly it happened. Uh Now, by the grace of God, we don't have to do that. But you're going to have to have something strong in you. Because before life is over, situations will arise where you don't understand. And you won't see it. And it'll be an opportunity. For you to prove. That you will trust him. In life. In death. You'll trust him. In joy. You'll trust him when you're dealing with sorrow. And resisting it. You will trust him. In plenty. You will trust him when you don't know how to how to do the next thing. But you will not let anything separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You won't let anything separate your faith from you and your faithfulness to him. Not because of something you don't understand. Go with me, please, to the book of Job. First chapter book of Job. The scripture says in 1 Peter it says your adversary the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now he uh, this is a picture the devil is not a lion but he functions like a predator and a predator of the level of a lion, they have enough intelligence that they don't attack the strongest that could injure them. The preference is to isolate one out from the herd and run them until they're tired or find them when they're weak. This is how the devil operates. And he will he'll assign spirits to situations to harass, to wear down, to provoke you to ask questions you shouldn't ask, and think thoughts you shouldn't think. And he'll work on somebody for 20 years. I will shed no tear when he gets cast into the lake of fire. How about you? I will shout when he and all his are placed in there for eternity. Never to bother us again. But for here and now we're dealing with it. And the enemy is never obvious. He, you know, I mean there's an argument to be made that anybody that rebels against God is stupid but he is not of low intelligence. He's been deceiving human beings for millennia. He, the Bible warns us to be on the watch. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, like a roaring lion, is going about seeking whom he may devour. And he doesn't come, obviously. Ever. He never comes to the front door. Says, hey, devil's here. Never. <laughs> no. Never. No. <laughs> never. Never. His favorite thing is for you to not even know it's him. That's his favorite thing. To be working in such a way behind the scenes, undetected. Well, isn't that how predators do? They're in the tall grass. Is that right? They don't want you to see them until they're right on top of you. And that could be real scary, except for we got the greater one. Oh, come on. we We got the greater one inside of us. And if we'll listen to him, there's no way that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. And there's no way he can get on top of us or ahead of us or, or trick us while we're listening to the greater one. And he knows that. So what's he going to try to do? Get you to quit listening to the greater one, get you, me to get offended, to get hurt, to get deceived well, I don't understand, and, and get mad at God, and quit praying, quit going to church. Okay, Pastors, have you seen it before? Have yeah. you seen it? Yeah. Well, I prayed, and it didn't work, and, right. and I did this, and I didn't see any difference in three weeks. And, and, and quit going to church. Yeah. Quit praying. Right. Mm-hmm. What happened? Now they're isolated. And that's how you become prey. That's how you become destroyed. That's right. We're given a behind the scenes look spiritually in the book of Job. And we're faith people. So we're always thinking about faith. And, and that's right. And we should be. And many times when people hear our group hears Job, the first thing they think of is, oh, fear, fear, fear messed him up. And that's true. But try to hear something else tonight. There's another big part of this that's not just fear. The Bible said in Job 1 that the the adversary came up. And I'm reading in Young's literal translation, verse 8, Job 1.8. Jehovah said to the adversary, have you set your heart against my servant Job? Some people have suggested, mm-hmm. you know, that God was saying, have you noticed, Job? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. God's always ahead. That's right. He said, have you set your heart against my servant, Job? Mm-hmm. You've targeted him. Yeah. And because there's none like him in the land, a man perfect, upright, fearing God, shooing or turning from evil. Verse 9, I'm reading the Living Bible. The devil says, the living Bible, why shouldn't he? When you pay him so well. Yeah. <laughs> keep your keep ears open. Why shouldn't he? You've always protected him, his home, his property from all harm. You prospered everything he does. Look how rich he is. No wonder he worships you. Yeah. Yeah. What's he saying? Touches well, take that away, and you will see him curse you to your face. What's he saying? He's not really faithful. He gets benefits from serving you. And if that's not there, he won't be there. If he didn't have all this wealth, he didn't have all these things. He will renounce you to your face. He will tell you he didn't want you anymore. He doesn't believe in you anymore. He doesn't really have a faithful heart. Now, don't say, well, Brother Keith, that's back in the book of Job. No, that's in the book of Revelation. The accuser of the brethren. Accuse them night and day before their God. But they overcame him. I said they overcame him. They overcame him. By two big things. The blood of the lamb. And the word. Of their testimony. Hallelujah! And you know the account. That. Uh, well let me read The. Uh, The Good News Translation, because it brings up, he says, Satan replied, Would God worship you if he got nothing out of it? In other words, if he loses everything he's got, he will curse you to your face. And you know that the enemy got access to it. Fear was part of it. But there's a number of things going on here. And uh, you see the devil... In violence, in storms, windstorms, lightning, the devil was in all that. How many know God is not in every lightning strike? God is not in every windstorm. No, no, no. Certainly not in mobs of violence, coming and stealing and killing. And that's the devil. I mean, it's very obvious. He leaves there, and that's the next thing that happens. One reason this is recorded like this it is so obvious all of these terrible things happened at one time and now his children are dead three-fourths of his employees are dead all of his wealth and his massive thousands of head of livestock are gone And he said, Naked came I from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And I know when we read that, people go, Oh, 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 no, no. No, hold on. I don't know of any reason why Job would even know the devil existed. Mm-mm. You won't find the name Satan, which is adversary past the first two chapters in this whole book of 42, you won't even find the word again. Mm-hmm. Nothing about what his friends said or anybody said. Why? You, you won't find much about the devil in the entire Old Testament as far as what the covenant people knew. One of the reasons why, they would have worshipped him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what people did in those days. If you thought somebody was out to hurt you, you wanted, they, they tried to appease right. Right? The evil God. So they knew next to nothing about what the devil was even doing. So that's why he says it that way. The Lord gave, the Lord took away. That's all he knows. But here's the part. But the name of the Lord be praised. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with any wrongdoing. This says, This is ding, round one to Job. <laughs> oh, come on, are y'all, listen. Why? And he did not understand what was happening. He did not understand why it had happened. Have you read the book of Job? Yes, the next 38 chapters after chapter 2 is him and his three friends and the other guy trying to figure out why this happened until God came on the scene in the whirlwind and, and spoke. But here's the thing. Have you read when God, you know, it's interesting because Job in his pain I'm going to paraphrase he said I wish God had give me an audience. I wish he had let me ask him some questions about this. And and he would answer me. and, And you know he never expected it to happen like that. But at the end, God came in the whirlwind himself. And he said, I'm paraphrasing. Who wants to talk to me? And he quoted Job back to him. He said, Somebody wanted to ask some questions. Uh, yeah. And somebody wanted some answers. <laughs> and he gave him a chance. He said, So, answer. Job went, Abba, uh, Abba, uh, Abba. Uh, uh. God said, All right, I got a question. Where were you yeah. when I laid the foundation of the world? Right. Do you understand the springs of the deep? Do you understand how an animal calves? Do you understand how the eagle flies? Do you understand? And every one of his answers would be, Nuh-uh. no, no. 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 Uh-huh. I always wondered. No. No. <laughs> no. 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 And the Lord says, come on. You wanted to talk. Guard yourself up like a man. And I'm, and I'm going to ask and answer me. Yeah. And nowhere in that did god explain to him why this had happened to him why cuz it wasn't the main thing and it's not the main thing years ago i read that i actually you'll laugh but it wasn't all that funny when i when i was a boy a little kid down in mississippi i played next to the edge of the woods and found a bunch of poisonous plants that had milky substance in them and made them my logs from my little log truck that I was playing with and all I had on was like a diaper and shorts and stuff and I rubbed that stuff all over my chest and my face and and that caused me to break out so bad and have such a bad case of it as a child that even years later I wouldn't be anywhere around it in a certain time of year. I'd just break out in highs. And that went on for years until I learned one day that I was redeemed from the curse of the law, which is another story. But in my ignorance, I had heard that Job had sores. And so I'd be laid up in the bed and sick and just felt miserable. And and so I would read Job and try to find out something. And I told you you'd laugh. And for years, I thought the question was, why did this happen? Because that's the question he was asking. And that's the question his friends were trying to answer. Why does this happen? I thought that was the big deal. Until decades later with the help of the Holy Spirit I read it again and I wrote by the title when I finished it's not why. The question here is not why. It's what you do when you don't know why. It's what you do when you don't know why. when why. When you don't understand that is one of the greatest trials your faith will ever endure. When you've got questions and you're hurting and you don't understand and you don't know and what the enemy is doing his best to do is isolate you from the pack isolate you from Jesus and separate your faith from you. And he wants you to curse God. And die. Why is this here? Well. Ding ding. There's round number two. (laughs) Is that right? Job wasn't done. Came back. And. uh, The Lord said. uh, Look. That was for no reason. He holds to his integrity. Integrity. Hallelujah. What's he saying? He trusts me. Yes. No matter what you say, what you do. Yes. And the devil says, well, skin for skin. What does that mean? It means a person will do anything to save their own skin. See, the devil is unfaithful. Yes. Totally unfaithful. And he just like we read about the unfaithful servant deflecting and accusing the other person that they're supposed to be faithful to. See, he blames God for his unfaithfulness. He's a liar. He has no humility. He'd never acknowledge his own sin and failure. Never. That's why there's no redemption for him. He can't be saved. He would never repent. Ever. He'd deny it, lie it, Millennia after millennia. And so what he, his challenge is, everybody's the same. Nobody's faithful. You can't trust anybody. You can't trust them. Oh, come on, do you hear the language or not? Well, why wouldn't he serve you? You've made him the richest man in the East. You protect him every way he moves. Why wouldn't he? But he, it's not really in him. I'm telling you. If it ain't going his way, he will deny you. He will denounce you. He will curse you to your face. Then he got access to his body. But you can see at every juncture the Lord says, you can't do any more than this. Limits him. Can't kill him. And he went and smote Job with sore boils from the top of his crown to the soles of his feet and he sits out in the ash heap and is scraping himself with a piece of pottery and his wife comes to check on him what does she say why are you holding on to your integrity now see that word is connected with his faithfulness come on can you see this why hold on to your faith in God? Look at where you are. Where is your God? I know you've been praying. I know you've been. I know, where is he? And she opens up her mouth. She didn't see behind the scene. She doesn't know what the accuser's been railing against Job about. But she opens up her mouth and says exactly. What the devil Is accusing him. Well where did she get it? She got it straight from the devil. If the enemy can't get you to listen to it. He'll try to get somebody closest to you. To say it. If he can't get to you. He'll try to get to you through them. Oh he's evil. I said he's evil. It's okay to hate him. I said it's okay to hate him. Why? He's not a human being. He's evil. He's evil. And it's okay to hate evil. We love people. But I hate the devil. I hate all his cohorts. I hate all his work. I despise him. I'm against him. Come on are you? I'm against him. And greater is he that's in me. Than him. But friend if you don't think. Your faith will be tried. In this life. You just had not gone very far. Yeah. Because one of our biggest weaknesses is what we don't know. The Spirit helps our weaknesses. For we know not. What's our weaknesses? We don't know. And even Paul, who had such revelation, he said, we just know in part. So what does that mean? There's so much we don't know. And You must not act like you know when you don't. That's not how you learn. That's not how you grow. And so she comes and she says, why don't you just die? In other words, you're you're disgusting. And here's how you can do it. Curse God straight from the devil. He gave her the very words to say, to push him, to push him. Why? Curse, what does it mean? What does it mean? Denounce God. Reject God. Say you don't want him in me. Say you don't believe in him in me. Become offended and stop trusting in one you should trust. He said, you talk like an ignorant, foolish person. And he wouldn't do it. Somebody say he wouldn't, it. He, wouldn't it. he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't curse God. He kept blessing God. He kept blessing the name of the Lord. Even he, Now he said some things he shouldn't have said. In the next 38 chapters. But, and he, he had to repent over it. I don't know if you'd have done any better. If you'd have been there. He, but when the Lord Asked him all those questions about creation and everything. Why do you say all that? He said, Well then how are you going to judge me unjust? And you don't understand any of that. And Job said, I've heard about you, and now I've seen you. And I opened my mouth one time and but I'm not doing it again. I'm putting my hand right here, right now. (laughs) He said, I repent. I repent. Jesus said, do you hear about that tower that fell on those people? He said, you think they're worse people than anybody in town? I'm telling you, they're not. You hear about what Pilate did to those people? He killed them, mingled their blood with the sack. You think they were worse people than anybody? That's why that happened to them? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, yeah. oh, somebody say repent. Rip, yeah. Unless you repent, You shall all likewise perish. Repent is not a bad word. It's not a hard word. It's the most wonderful word you've ever heard in your life. If you'll judge yourself, you won't be judged. Come on. If you'll repent means acknowledge your mistake. Be willing to change. Be humble. Be teachable. And can you see that when Job said, I repent. I mean everything turned around. Is that right? He even told his friend, he said, you better go and ask Job to pray for you because I'm not happy with you right now. And so Job did, and while he was praying for them, his whole situation turned. God turned the captivity of Job. Next thing you know, he's healed. He's clear. People come and start bringing him truckloads of money, just bringing him money. And with a few months and years, he's got twice what he ever had before the attack. Some say that the entire episode of Job happened only within eight, nine months. He had a hard time that year. But he did not deny his faith. He would not stop trusting in the Lord his God. And God vindicated him. Hallelujah. God even gloried over him in front of the devil himself. Oh, come on, can you see this? You're a liar. You're a thief. Look at my servant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The trial of your faith, though it be tried with fire, come out shining more precious than gold. Then, couple that with the other scripture, will every man have praise of God? And that's what will happen. In the end, When the Lord returns, when he comes back to take account, to see what we did with our call, our revelation, our anointing, the help he gave us, the churches, the ministries he gave us, the partners he gave us, all the things he gave us. I I tell our, our group sometimes, I said, you know, we can never say the Lord never gave us anything to work with. I can almost hear The apostle Paul sometimes saying, Keith, Keith, if I would have had the internet and a jet, go, boy, go, go, go. (laughs) In our generation, God has given us amazing tools, amazing resources. How many want to be faithful? Stand on your feet if that's you. Stand on your feet if you say, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you. Somebody lift up your hand. Just begin to say thank you, Lord. 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 Close your eyes. Just focus on the Lord if you would. There are a number of people under the sound of my voice. You have gotten offended. You, uh, Some hadn't been to, back to church in years. Thankfully you're watching this broadcast. I'm so glad you are. I'm telling you by the spirit of God. God did not fail you. Just because you don't understand something. Does not mean God let you down. Oh friend. Humble yourself before Him tonight and say, I'm coming home. And make up your mind that you will no longer be offended, but you will trust Him you ought to trust. And you will trust Him completely and for the rest of your days and beyond. Sit out loud, Father God. Father God. Forgive me. Forever for entertaining wrong thoughts wrong feelings feelings. ill feelings feelings. towards you you. or thinking you didn't care or Or weren't there for me me. when I needed you I I know it's a lie I know it's a lie lie. lie. and I reject all of that And and I repent and I say